we all have some regrets in life. We all have things we did or things we said that we are not proud of, that we don't want to remember. We all have things we don't want to remember. Every day, something reminds us that we are not always in control. We fail, we try again and fail again. No matter how hard we try, there is always something failing. We fail to remember an appointment. Fail to be at our kids' sports game. We, we, we fail to pay our bills on time. We, we fail to be the person we want to be. It happens somehow, somewhere. Every day we fail at something or something or someone fails us. It may not be you failing someone or failing, but someone fails you. If failure is a part of our lives, as I've just described, why do we struggle to live with it? We invest so much money, time, and energy in fighting failure, but it's always present. We fight failure. We have businesses and people who teach us how to fight failure, but failure is always present. I've read stories of great men and women in the Bible who made a significant impact in history and found out that they all dealt with failure. And I concluded that success depends on how well we manage failure, not the absence of, but the management of failure. Those who made the most impact in history and heroes of faith failed many times. They failed. But they learned to process their failure, and that made a big difference. So this is what I want you to remember. Because we cannot eliminate failure, we can only choose to live with it or live in it. Let me say that again. Because we cannot eliminate failure, we can only choose to live in it or live with it. When we fail, or when something or someone fails us, we can learn to live in that failure or live with that failure. Not, not, not in it, but with it. The man who wrote 13 to 14 books of the New Testament, Apostle Paul, he also struggled with failure. And look at what he said. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Paul struggled with failure. He was inconsistent with his own standard. He hated his actions. He was confused. He says, I don't understand myself. I really don't understand myself. I, Paul, am confused. I don't understand myself. I fail. I fail many times. I do not understand myself. 
Like many of us, we plan to eat well, but we fail. We, we plan to exercise, but we fail. We, 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 we plan to pay off our credit cards, but unfortunately, we fail. We hate what we do. Failure keeps following us everywhere. You decide to stop smoking for your health, but you failed. You decided to stop watching bad stuff, but you failed. Failure is all around us. You can deny it, but it's there. So you can learn to live in it or with it. Because Paul learned to live with failure. And this is what he says after that passage in verse 15. He says this in verse 25. Ten verses later, he says, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul found the answer to failure. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Paul is now finding his way to the solution to failure. Then he continues, he says in chapter 8 verse 1, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Ah, oh, Paul. Uh-uh. Paul doesn't say, now if I've been, as I've been failing all the time, I'm just ashamed of myself. You know I'm guilty of my, of my failures. No, Paul says there is no condemnation. Even though I have failed, there is no condemnation because I am in Christ Jesus. The reason we struggle with failure is that it comes with condemnation. Failure and guilt are intertwined. They come together. Every time you fail, you feel guilty for your failure. Something condemns you. Something blames you. You are ashamed of your... It doesn't matter what kind of failure it might be. Every time we fail, we feel guilty. For a regular person, every time you fail, you carry the judgment of that failure. But Paul says there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean they don't fail. It simply means there is no condemnation for them. Christians fail. The only difference is there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus, why do some Christians struggle with the guilt of their failure? Why do you still struggle with the guilt of your failure if there is no condemnation, as Paul said? You know, it's because we fail again. <laughs> the reason why we struggle with this guilt of failure is because we fail to believe there is no condemnation. The failure to believe that there is no condemnation makes us live in failure. We fail to give our guilt to Jesus. In Leviticus chapter 6 verse 1 to 7, God ordered his people to give the sacrifice of guilt. So let's read uh, verse 6 and 7 of Leviticus 6. 
As a guilt offering to the Lord, you must bring to the priest your own ram with no defect. Or you may buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you before the Lord, making you right with him. And you will be forgiven for any of these sins you have committed. As you struggle with your guilt, even though you were not caught, nobody saw you. But you are struggling in your heart with what you've done. God said, if that is the case, go and give a sacrifice so that your guilt can be taken away. And that's what they were doing. The sacrifice of guilt was the sacrifice that dealt with failure. Even though nobody saw you. And most of us, we are still struggling with failure. Nobody saw you. Nobody, nobody was there. And you are still struggling with the guilt. And the Bible says there was a sacrifice to deal with the guilt. So when Jesus died on the cross, that's exactly what he did. Jesus became the sacrifice for our guilt. He went on the cross as a sacrifice for your guilt and for my guilt. And you know what? He took all our guilt upon himself. We say Jesus took our sins upon himself. But he did not stop there. He also took our guilt, condemnation, judgment, shame upon himself. So the difference is, those who are in Christ Jesus have made a decision to give their guilt to Jesus. Jesus carried all our guilt on the cross. What we do with our guilt is very important. You can keep it or give it to him. Some Christians decide to keep their guilt with themselves, upon themselves. If you still carry your guilt, Jesus doesn't have it. Where is it? In your heart. You still have it. The reason why we struggle with guilt is because we still carry it. Giving it to Jesus means you don't have it anymore. He's, he, he, he died for it. He carried it on the cross. In the spiritual realm, he's, he's the guilty one. Let him carry it. If you carry it, you are still guilty. Lord, I pray that your church will receive the revelation of what you did on the cross. Jesus carried our guilt. So when you make a mistake, you say, God, forgive me. And you keep carrying the guilt of your mistake. You are nullifying the work of Christ in your life. Because Christ has taken your guilt away. You can have it or give it to Jesus. Jesus can have it or you, you get it. It's either in your hands or in Jesus' hand. It can't be in both places. If it's still in your hand, that means Jesus doesn't have it. If it's in Jesus' hand, that, that means you don't have it. The choice is yours. Where is your guilt? When Paul says there is no more condemnation, he realizes that he doesn't need to give a sacrifice of guilt anymore because Jesus was the sacrifice of our guilt. 
given by God on the cross. When we come, when we believe in Jesus, our guilt is taken away of all the sins, past, present, and the future. All our guilt are taken away by Christ. There is no more condemnation means there is no more guilt for those in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes anymore. It means we are not guilty anymore in the eyes of God. Oh, some of you may think now, Pastor Mike is giving us a green light to go and sin. There's no more guilt. Oh, some people will say, ah, he's giving the church the green light to go and uh, the green light to go and sin. In fact, you don't need even green light to sin. You sin anyway without my green light. That's not what we are doing here. <laughs> no condemnation is not a license to sin, but the empowerment to live free from sin. When we embrace the guilt of the, 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 the gift of no condemnation, when we receive that, we know there is no more condemnation for me. We are empowered to fight sin. Guilt disempowers us. Guilt disempowers us. Let, let, let me tell you a story. I was teaching my son, Mikris, to ride a bike many years ago. He was still young, very small. And I was teaching him to ride a bike. In that experience, I kept telling him what he was doing wrong. You are not looking at the road. You are only looking down. You know, I'm pointing the mistakes that I see. Oh, hold, just hold your head, two hands on the thing. And do this. And don't look at me. Don't. And I was pointing all the things I believe he's doing wrong so that he can correct himself. And I couldn't see any, any progress. In my training. And then I thought, what am I doing wrong? He's not smiling anymore. He's lost his joy. And I've lost my joy. I'm becoming cranky and, and upset. And I, everything is just going, you know, wrong. And then I thought to myself, how about I begin to appreciate what he's doing right? Let me see if that will make a difference. And then I said, okay, let me try. You are doing well, son. I changed my language. You are doing well, son. Look at you. Look at what you are doing. Ah, look. You are pushing very hard, I see. Oh, look at the muscles. Oh, the son started to smile. Oh, after a few minutes, I see he's going now. Oh, and he's pushing and, and he's, oh, and then he's going alone. And he got it. In just a few minutes, he got it. I learned, ah. When you are not, when you are training someone, don't keep pushing guilt on them. People perform better when they are appreciated, not when they are reminded of how weak they are, or how sinful they are, or how bad they are doing. He surprised me. In a few minutes, he got it. Why? I just changed from shame to appreciation, from guilt to no condemnation. And this is what we do with ourselves. When Paul says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, he means God does not repeat our sins. He doesn't remind us of our sins all the time. No, no condemnation. He's not condoning sin, but he's telling us, I don't judge you anymore. Jesus has taken your sins away. The sacrifice of guilt has been given. Do not carry your guilt anymore.
condemnation demotivate people. It slows people down. It slows you down. When you make a poor decision in your business, remember there is no more condemnation. There is no more condemnation when you fail to meet your customers' expectations. When you are fired from a job because of your mistakes, there is no more condemnation. And I mean because of your mistakes. Not simply because you are innocent. Because of your mistakes. There is no more condemnation. It happened. Don't get me wrong. This is not a license to sin or making mistakes. But even if I don't give you a license to make mistakes, mistakes are always there. We don't need any license for it. The issue is how do we learn to live with them? So how about when somebody else has failed you? Paul's health failed him. Sometimes your friends will, will fail you. Sometimes your partner might, will fail you. People change. and Sometimes their change negatively affects us. When people change, their change negatively affects our lives. Things change. The economy changes. Government change. What do we do when something out of our control fails us? Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 to 9, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. So his health was failing him. But he said to me, the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfectly perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will mostly, I will most gladly boast in all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. Let me paraphrase Paul. I will most gladly boast all the more about my failures, so that Christ's power may reside in me. Can you say that with Paul? God does not cause failure, but he uses it. God is not the cause of your failure, but he uses every failure in your life. Failure te teaches us to rely more on God. When something or someone fails you, it reminds you that only God is immutable. We change, our bodies change, our relationships change, but God never changes. He is the same yesterday, tomorrow, yesterday, forever, and today. He is the same. That's why when people fail us, we need to remember, only God can't fail us. He's immutable. So my grace is sufficient for you. It's a reminder to rely on God and not on our own strength, skills, or gifts. That's what failure is there for. Failure reminds us that we are not in charge. God is. Abraham learned to trust God in the waiting. Moses became God's most powerful prophet and leader after failing, killing someone, running in exile for 40 years. Failure. Failure for 40 years. For 40 years, what Moses was doing had nothing to do with his calling. He was a failure. If you met, if you met Moses at his 60, when he was 60 years old, you will call him a failure. A man who was called to lead a nation is in a desert somewhere, hiding at 60. Failure. If you met Moses at 70, you will laugh at him. 
What are you doing here, Moses? You grew up in the, in the palace. What are you doing here in the desert? At 70, have you forgotten God has called you? 75. Who will mock Moses? Lost, confused. At 75. 79. Moses is still a failure. At 80. Not many of us are 80 in this room. At 80. Moses received a visitation. That's where he started his ministry for 40 more years. The devil thought he stole 40 years from him. God restored 40 more years to Moses. The devil might think that he has stolen 10 years from you because of a mistake you made 10 years ago. The Lord will multiply it and give you double portion. Don't be discouraged because your oh, time is passing. God, oh, five years, nothing has happened. Your failure is not final. David made a Big mistake, biggest mistake of his life. He slept with his soldier's wife. And you know what? He didn't end there. Sleeping with your, with your soldier's wife was sin by itself. But he killed him to cover it. He didn't stop there. He took the wife. <laughs> he took the wife. Evil. Evil. That is not just a mistake. That is evil. You don't do that. It didn't end there. The child died. The pregnancy that came out of that scene, the child died. Failure, 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 failure after failure. I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'm saying this because I know some of you may identify with David. Maybe you've been making mistake and mistake, and your mistake leads to another mistake. And then mistake leads to another mistake. Look at how gracious God is. David went to repent and repent and repent and repent. God gave him a son. Do you know the name of that son? Solomon. The wisest man who has ever lived in the history. The son who was born out of a foolish relationship became the wisest man who has ever lived. The richest man who has ever lived. That's what God does with our mistakes. He turned them into something beautiful. Our failures. So why carry your guilt with you while God has taken it? He can use it. it can, he can use it. And he will use it. Failure is human. You don't need to live in it. Choose to live with it. So let me tell you a few things that you need to do with your failure. The first one, plan to fail. You would wonder if failure is such a bad thing, why should I plan it? It sounds strange, isn't it? The problem with many people is that we plan never to fail. <laughs> but it never stops us from failing. Planning to fail is to take a realistic approach to life. You expect that failure might happen. That is planning to fail. It's understanding that failure will happen and we should be prepared for it when it happens. If you plan to exercise four times a week, it's important you know that you may miss a day or two. 
It's okay. It's okay if you said, I'm going to exercise every week four times, and on Monday you find yourself, oh, I can't do it today. It's okay. Plan to fail. It's okay to remind yourself that these things happen. As committed as you might be, I'm going to pray every day for 15 minutes, and you find yourself, oh, three days, I haven't prayed. It's okay. Start again. Plan to fail. It happens. It happens. To the best of us, it happens to fail. You may decide to do things and somehow you find that it's not happening as you, as you, as you expected. It is okay. Perfectionists are those who don't plan to fail. So if you don't plan to fail, you're a perfectionist. It's not a quality only. It's also a weakness. Planning to fail is a state of mind that understands that failure is part of life and that life still goes on when it happens. When failure happens, life still goes on. So plan to fail. Second one, don't fail to plan. <laughs> Do not leave your life to chance. Don't fail to plan. If you are going to get out of debt, plan how it will happen. If you are going to stop smoking, plan for it. If you are going to start a business, plan for it. Do not let failure steal your dream. The enemy uses failure to kill our dreams or your ability to see the future. When you fail, he, he, he distorts your failure so that you, you, you lose hope for tomorrow. That's what he does. But you are not a failure. You are not a failure. You are not a failure. You failed because you tried. At least you tried. Being a failure is when you stop trying because of fear of failing. You are not a failure, my friend. You are not a failure. You failed because you tried. Being a failure is when you stop trying because of fear of failing. So, you should be proud of yourself for failing. Why? Because you tried. You're not one of those who never tried. You tried and you failed and you tried again and you failed again. The, the number of failures in your life represents the number of tries. How many times you've tried. Ah, that means you should be proud of yourself for every time you tried. The reason why you feel, guilt for, 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 you feel guilty for, for, for sinning is because you want to please God. At least you try to please God. Some people out there, they don't feel any shame of their mistakes. Their conscience is dead. The reason why you feel guilty is because you have a conscience. Be proud of yourself. That's why you feel the shame in you. Because you can feel shame. If you met someone who doesn't have shame, oh, I have. I've seen people without shame. They do crazy things. You feel the shame because at least you tried to live a right life, a good life, and you felt to it. And then that's why you feel guilty. I'm, 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 really, I'm really proud of you. That you feel that way. Because you tried. And last one, embrace, embrace the plan. Most of the time we feel like failing because our eyes are only focused 
on the end of the road and not the road itself. Stay with me. Sometimes you can't see the end of the road. You can only see where you are. So I'm asking you to embrace the journey because they say this. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. In Australia, we don't say miles, we say kilometers. I don't know who brought these miles things. That's American. The journey of a thousand kilometers. That sounds more Aussie, isn't it? Okay, let's stay into our KM. A journey of a thousand kilometers begins with a single step. One step, two, three. Most people consider themselves failures after 15 steps in the journey. Why? Because they haven't reached 1,000. So you've tried 15 and you feel like you are a failure. You are only a failure when you stop making steps. If you are still making steps, even if it's one per day, and you know it will take you 1,000, you are not yet a failure. Because you are still making steps. Embrace the journey. Celebrate every step on the trip. Because you won't make your thousand kilometers journey without that one step. Oh, let me say this again. You won't make 1,000 kilometers without that one single step. So every time you make one step, celebrate it. Celebrate the other one. It doesn't matter how long it takes to make the other one. Oh, pull your leg for the other step for two years and then another one. You made it. Failing is stopping moving. As long as you are there trying to make another step, celebrate it. So my, my, my encouragement to you is to embrace the plan. If you have felt but you have planned a change in your life, Enjoy that plan. Enjoy that ride. Enjoy, enjoy the process. Not just the goal, the process of getting there. You are expecting God to do something in your life. Enjoy the process. You have failed many times, but you have started another one. Enjoy the process. God is dealing with you. Your character. Enjoy the process. It's true that you haven't changed much, but you've changed at least a few things have changed in your life since you became a Christian. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. 